Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it. It is not life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not a ray like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how he not much more clothe you. Of you, O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, We shall, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that God already knows that you need, all these other things will be added unto you. What is first in your life? Who has first place and what is the most important thing or the most important person in your life? God insists that he have first place that he is the most important person and the most important thing in your life. Put God first. If you have a worship guide, on the front of the worship guide, there is a statement of our purpose as a church. It is number one and foremost to love God. But it is also to love others and then to reach the world. It's important that you as members of our church understand why we are here. It is to serve God, but it is to love God and put God first in our lives. I think every year we need at least one service where we are reminded our purpose and what this is all about. This is why we are here. That's why we gather, because we want God to be first in our lives, in all of our lives. We are to make disciples. We will be talking tonight. By the way, I hope the roads are clear and I hope you'll plan on coming back tonight because what I'm doing on Sunday evenings is talking about our purpose as a church, our theme currently, and our strategy of how we're going to fulfill our purpose. Uh, that, by the way, is love, grow, serve. It is our responsibility, Don, to make disciples. And we have to think about how that happens. One of the things that is involved in being a disciple is learning to put God first. Now, what that means is giving God first place in your life. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, this same answer that Jesus gave to what is the greatest commandment is in other passages, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
That is a quotation of Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's not something that began in the New Testament. That goes all the way back to the very beginning of the law. And so the first and greatest commandment in all of the law and in all of, that's expected, of what is expected of us is that we will put God in first place in our life and we will love God with all our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Now, to do that, that means that we need to, to know God personally. That does not mean just being religious and knowing about God. Too often when we come to church and we hear sermons, we go to classes, and you learn about God. God wants you to know Him personally. He wants a personal relationship with you. I've, I've talked about the ones that I know who God's dealing with about salvation, and I pray for them every single morning. And I pray that they come to realize, to understand, that it's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough to read your Bible and to know about God. God wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to trust His Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior, that you can be a child of God, of God, not a child of a child of God, but that you would be a child of God by trusting Christ and knowing Him personally. Not only should you know Him personally, He wants you to love Him passionately. That's what He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That means loving him more than you love anyone else. Well, we got a lot of comments when I posted a picture of, of my wife and I, Brenda, huddling under a blanket trying to stay warm and, and enjoying uh, just holding each other. And after 50 years of marriage, yes, we are still in love. No doubt, no doubt about it. But I have to always remember, I must never put her in front of God in my life. God has to be number one. And my love for her, Alice, is a picture of my love for God. That's what God intended in our marriages. That the way we love our spouse is the way God loves us and the way He wants us to love Him. We need to love God with all our heart. Not only that, but he expects us to tear down idols on purpose. That we recognize something that we've made more important than God. And to tear that down, that doesn't necessarily mean throw it away. But it means take it off of first place and put it in the real perspective of where it ought to be in our life. We need to tear down idols purposefully. You shall have no other gods before me. That's in Exodus 23 and the exact same phrase in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 7. It is important that we tear down idols. That means if your job is more important than God, you need to rearrange your priorities. That means if your children are more important to you than God, you need to rearrange your priorities. That means if your health and your safety is more important to you than God, you need to rearrange your priorities. 
If your goals for the future are more important to you than what God wants for you, you need to rearrange your priorities. Tear down idols and then love others practically. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now Jesus gave that prime directive, that number one commandment, the most important commandment, you'll love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And then he said, the second is likened to the first, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Kelly, if you love God, you'll love people because God loves people. And God pours into our hearts, Rodney, the, the love of him but loving God means loving the people that God loves. And God loves all people. We have said again and again, I love my church. I hope you've heard that enough that you're in the habit of saying it. I hope you can say that and mean it. I love my church because my church loves Jesus. And by the way, so do I. And together, we love on others. If you love God, you will love His church. And if you love God, you will love others. But love, Grant, is sort of an ethereal idea, isn't it? And the world today really doesn't understand what love is. But listen, if you love God, you will love others and you will love them practically. Susan, that means doing something to demonstrate that love. That means treating them with love. And so together we love on others because Jesus loves people. To love God and have Him in first place in our life means that we love Him personally. We love Him passionately. We tear down idols that are in His way and between us and we love others practically. We demonstrate the love of Christ. And then, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, you need to give Him not only first place in your life, but give Him the first of your day. That should say give Him. Give God the first of your day. In Psalm 63, verse 1, we heard it in the video. And in the New King James, it says, O oh God, you are my God early will I seek you. Other translations say earnestly. I like this one because when I get up in the morning, I think God is there. Don, he's waiting on me. Amen. I have a place where I do my prayer time in the morning now. That's, that's been a change since we did the 40 days of prayer. I go to the same place about the same time every morning and I know he's there and he's waiting on me. It doesn't matter how early you get up or even if you sleep in, he will wait on you. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Do you understand that thirst for God? Seeking the presence of God. There is a promise that if you will seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. That means get up in the first, give Him the first of your day. Don't give it to Facebook. Now, it's okay to have a cup of coffee. But don't put God first in your day. Start your day with Him. 
That means knowing God intimately through His Word. God has revealed who He is. He has revealed His attributes, His characteristics to us through His Word. People have an idea of what God ought to be like, and that is an idol God, a God we've created in our own mind. You cannot know who God is, and you will never know Him until you meet Him in His Word. Paul said of Timothy, You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. In the Word of God, you find the plan of God for your life and the plan of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He said all Scripture is breathed out. We say inspired. That's breathed out by God and is profitable. It's profitable for you for teaching. That is to teach you. For reproof. That is to correct what's wrong in your life. For correction. For training in righteousness. To help you know how to follow the will of God. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Begin the day in the word of God. Listen for God. In fact, ask God to show up. Every time, Tracy, you open the book, ask God to show up and to speak to you through his word. That means also being known of God deeply through prayer. When I read the Bible, I hear God speaking to me through His Word. But God also, Jimmy wants to hear from me. He wants to hear my voice. I spoke to you um, about First Fruits two years ago. January was two years ago that I spoke to you about... Um, about God knowing our, the sound of our voice. I told you then I hadn't planned on throwing it at you again. But Grant, there was a time I listened to Chuck Swindoll every single day. When I surrendered to Africa, I was in California. And Larry Clements was my host. And he said, uh, Chuck Swindoll's church is just up the way. I said, you reckon we could see him? He said, we could try so I went by, man, I, Donna, I knew Chuck Swindoll's voice. He didn't have to tell his name when he came on the radio. I knew, that's Chuck Swindoll, I knew his voice. I felt like I knew him. When I went to his church and told him there was a missionary going to Africa, wanted to meet him, uh, they offered to let me meet the missions pastor, but I didn't get to meet Chuck Swindoll. See, I knew Chuck Swindoll. I knew the sound of his voice. He didn't know me at all. Listen, I want God to know the sound of my voice. I've taken to praying out loud during my private prayer time because I want God to know the sound of my voice. It is said of Moses that there's not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. See, it's one thing to say that Moses knew God, but the Bible says that the Lord knew Moses face to face, and I want him to know the sound of my voice. I don't want to, to, for the end time to come, I don't want his return for, him, for me to be left behind and crying, I did all these things for you, and to hear him say, I never knew you. I know him, but I want him to know me too. And you do that through prayer. 
Not only that, but giving God the first of your day, you need to experience God powerfully through His presence. Trust the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. To me, Alicia, that means acknowledging He's present with me. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, acknowledging that He is present with me. And if I will do that, He will guide or direct or make straight our paths. I want to begin the day in the presence of God, and I want to continue every step and every minute of the day in His presence. I want Him present with me. I want to be present with Him. I want to experience His powerful presence. Then I said, give God the first of your day. To put Him first, give Him the first of your week. In the Old Testament, they gave God the seventh day because that was the day that, the, that God rested. In our day, we talk about the Sabbath sometimes and we're talking about the wrong idea because for us, our day of worship is the first day of the week commemorating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And just as you give God the first of your day, Give him the first of your week. Uh, Paul, by inspiration, said, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We've gotten pretty weak on that because of COVID-19. And I understand that there are people for whom it is not safe to get out. I, just as I understand that there are people this morning who cannot get out of, the, out of their driveway. Uh, they may try to climb out and they slide back down and they can't get out but that is supposed to be a very temporary thing putting God first in your life means setting aside a day of worship and he has designated that as the first day of the week that is the day that we assemble and serving God putting God first we need to give him the first of our week and be present we come to church to worship God in the 100th Psalm, shout for joy to the Lord. Now, I like that better than the translation that says, make a joyful noise. Now, that may be an adequate translation for some of our singing, uh, a joyful noise. But the idea is to be so full of joy, Terry, that we just shout out, glory to God. I'd like for some of you to learn how to do that. It would... It might help my preaching a little bit. If you'd learn how to shout for joy to the Lord. Not to Lynn, but to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. We come to church to worship God. We Listen, worship pleases God and our worship should be pleasing to Him. Some people said, well, I don't enjoy it. It's not for you. It's for Him. Don't ever let us forget that. We're not here to be entertained. We are here to lift high the name of Jehovah God and to worship Him and to praise Him. And our worship is to be pleasing to Him, whether it is pleasing to us or not. He is first and I am not. Shout for joy to the Lord. 
And we come to church to fellowship with each other. It says in the book of Acts about the church in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. A church is also referred to or called a fellowship, and fellowship is important. You know, we talk about addiction, we talk about support groups, we, we talk about those who've been abused and support groups. Understand, the church is the original support group. This is a place that you should be able to come and find help, to find encouragement, to find support. We are here to lift each other up and to help each other and to challenge each other to be better. And we come to church for fe to fellowship with each other. Not only that, we come to church to encourage one another. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, some of the stirring up that happens in the typical Baptist church has nothing to do with love and is not encouraging. Some folks stir things up, but they do it from hatred, from envy, from an evil spirit, competition, pride, arrogance. That's not what the Bible's talking about. We need to stir up one another to love and to good works. Being around you ought to make me better. Being around me ought to make you better. That's how it's supposed to work, and that's what the church is for, and that's why we come. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, that day, the end time coming. Then give God the first of your week because we come to church to serve God and to serve others. I, I said, it's great, Melody, when you see people coming out to do everything they can. And I've said to you before, I'd rather see a hundred of you doing some ministry and some service in the church and out of the church for the glory of God than to have two or three people who do everything perfectly. There's something wrong when there's a little handful of people who do things, and it's not nearly important, Wendy, that they do things perfectly as it is that there are a lot of people involved. Our goal at Faith Baptist Church is to get as many of you into some sort of ministry and some sort of service. You say, well, I didn't come to work. I came to be entertained. It's not a country club. It's not a theater. We're not here for your entertainment. We are here to equip you for ministry and turn you loose to serve God and to serve others. And that's what the church is all about. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living, working, breathing, serving sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, I like that, your spiritual worship. It is reasonable service. It is spiritual worship. And then, seek ye first the kingdom of God means to put God first in your finances. Solomon, in his wisdom, by inspiration of God, said, Honor the Lord with your wealth. It doesn't say be honored yourself with your wealth. 
Be proud of your wealth. Enjoy your wealth. I would remind you that the man who did that was called a fool. That's amazing. Jesus called the rich man a fool because he enjoyed his wealth and was not generous with his wealth. He was proud of what he had and did not glorify God. So what does it mean to put God first in your finances? Number one, beware of ingratitude. Everything you have, everything I have, has come from the hand of God. And if you get proud about it, the God who gave it to you can take it away. Be very careful. Beware of ingratitude. And instead, practice grateful giving. God gave us everything that we have. We need to turn around and be generous, giving back. Aaron talked about first fruits. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. That means everything you receive. Then, as a result of that, if you have given generously to God, listen, you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. If you will do that, then, yeah, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Beware of ingratitude, but instead give gratefully. Then it also means beware of greed and practice generosity. Beware of greed. Um, There's two verses, Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard. That's sort of a double warning, right? Watch out, be on your guard. That's the way my mom always talked to me when I left the house. You know, we have this, Nancy, we have this southernism. Y'all be careful now, you hear? And somebody said, no, I'm going to go out and drive recklessly just to spite you because you said that. Nobody ever answered their mama that when she said, you... You be careful now, you hear? This is a double warning. Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I don't like that. I, Corey, I thought his greed was pretty simple. What that means to me is there's all kinds of different ways that we can fall into the trap of greed. That's a warning. Guard against all kinds of greed. Because life uh, if, if I had a pen and I could, you know, a way to write on this pen, I would circle this. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Mom and Dad, teach that to your kids. They better get that because they're growing up in a world that teaches them the man who dies with the most toys wins. The person with the most possessions is the most successful and I've got news for you. You can be a millionaire and own all kinds of luxuries and be the most miserable person on earth and an abject failure. We need to understand a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Beware of greed, but practice generosity. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over 
will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. First time I ever met Grant Murray, Cherry. I know at that meeting, Indiana, I know I quoted that verse probably in every single sermon you heard from me. That is a life verse. I want to be giving. I want to be generous. And I know it's not that I'm giving in order to get back. I just know it happens. That if I will give, it will be given to me. And I want you to notice, you say, yeah, when I get to heaven, I'll have rewards for all those things I've given. I read this verse, and that means right now. It says, men will give unto your bosom. That means now. Yes, there will be awards, a reward someday, but right now, be generous, and God will be generous with you. At the same time, another warning, beware of servitude and instead enjoy financial freedom. What are you talking about? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here it is. You cannot serve God and money. Who has first place? Is it mammon? That was the name that was given in that day to the idol God of money. You cannot serve God and money. That's Matthew 6, 24. And then on down in chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Therefore, don't be anxious. Trust God. Don't worry. Trust God. Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the, for the unbelievers, what that means. Seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father, can I add the word already? Your heavenly Father already knows that you need them all. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't be a slave to money. Understand the freedom that comes by putting God first. Freedom even in your finances. Give Him the first place in your life. Give God the first of your day. Give God the first of your week. And put God first in your finances. God insists on being first in your life. I need to ask you, what is it right now? If you examined your life and said, ask yourself, what, what's first? What is the most important thing? Who is the most important person? What's first in my life? Would you have to admit that there's something between you and God, something that's higher on the priority list, more important to you than God? You need to fix that. That's a commitment that you need to make, and I would challenge you in this service and in this moment, in your heart, in your mind, your spirit, to put God first.